Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Starbucks. I am your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we got our co-host, Jim Rosati. Jim, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Um, Pirates are coming off a win. Not a series win, but at least a win. So we haven't haven't seen a lot of those. So, you know what? Celebrate, Celebrate your wins. Two of them in the month of May. Congrats, Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> Who would Look have at thought? us. Who would have thought? Two wins. Right. Yeah, two wins for the month of May. Not good stuff, but both wins coming from just pure dominance by Mitch Keller. That is something to talk about. Yes, absolutely incredible performance for him this past week. And let's talk Should about talk his. About uh, yeah, let's talk. Well, let's. We don't necessarily need to talk about his performance. I think we talked about that enough on the post game shows, but uh, and then on NS Nine Live last week. But let's talk about um, what a Mitch Keller extension might might sound like. Let's do it then. I think it's been a internal debate with us. We've talked about it, you know, like is Mitch Keller a guy you want to extend? And we've, I know you've talked about it a bit of, you know, just pitchers in general. Like, is that someone you want to really extend? You want to extend more like position players and such, which they have gone and done. Uh, Hayes is extended. They finally got the Reynolds deal done. Hopefully Cruz gets done here soon enough or something. Right. And you've heard Bob Nutting talk about like, they're not finished with extensions either. So, you know, we've kind of told the idea is Mitch Keller guy you even want to extend. What's that going to look like? Jim, is Mitch Keller a guy you want to extend? Mitch Keller is a guy I want to extend. Yes. And so um, come definitely yeah. around to it at this point in time. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm all in. Uh, the guy has completely turned around his career. Uh, he looks like just a dude now. Um, and, and someone who looks like he could he could anchor a staff for for a few years going forward. So uh, yeah, if the Pirates are looking to compete, you know, over the next four five years, you're gonna want Miss Keller all on all of those. I am absolutely with you. I wasn't sure about Mitch Keller. Um, ironically enough, didn't we just have a conversation and it was like, if you had to choose just one player on NS9 Live, would it be Mitch Keller or would it be O'Neill Cruz? And, I mean, it was a good question and actually a good debate. And, you know, I think Tyler and I both agreed with Mitch Keller just because like the window and Mitch Keller follows up that argument with this game yesterday of seven innings, 13 Ks, <laughs> four hits, no walks. I mean, just pure dominance against a good lineup. This is back-to-back starts who's been pure pure dominance and now for the season it's been pure dominance he has shown you know like the thing i talked yesterday was we can debate if he is an ace he'll prove to us whether he is or not but what he has shown is he has every tool that you need to be an ace everything he can strike you out he can induce weak contact he has the mentality he can go the distance like everything that you want in an ace mitch keller has at this point in time of his career so I think as we're talking about with, you know, extensions and such, I think now's the time. Like he's proven to you, he is a good pitcher. We can find out how good of a one he is, but he is a good pitcher. He has arrived. He's an MLB caliber rotation guy for a playoff team. Let's get this done. 
there's a window coming. Mitch Keller needs to be that dude. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you've, you've, you got to lock them up. And what's, what's kind of uh, interesting is these are questions that Ben Sherrington has been asked. They're questions that Mitch Keller has been asked over the last week and both sides kind of had similar responses. So it makes you think that they've at least gone to the table already which is a good sign, you know, contract extensions, negotiations, they're not going to be things that just happen in a day or two. Um, they're, they're going to be, it's going to be like a relationship that you're going to have to cultivate over a period of time. And so the fact that both sides are kind of seem like they're on the same page and it looks like that page is, yeah, we want an extension. We've been talking about it. Still some things will need to work out, but we're kind of both here to play. Right. You know, it takes that takes two to tango type of uh, type of thing. It sounds like the both uh, both parties are are willing to tango at this point, at least publicly. So, yeah, let's see if we can let's see if we can knock something out and get something done. Um, something during the season would be would be great. Um, if, if we have to wait till the off season, that's fine too. But yeah, I I think this is definitely something the team should explore. It's something Mitch Keller would probably want to explore. Guaranteed money by a pitcher is always. Right. An attractive thing. So yeah, there's there's reasons to want to get something done on both sides. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, like you said, on both sides, it's it's very advantageous. So the Pirates have this guy locked up. They see he's good. They finally turn around, and like, there's a bit of that too. You know, like he was a bad pitcher. <clears throat> Under us, he became a good pitcher. And I think for both sides, that that's a success story. That's a reason why you want to lock him up. Like you. you you want to hold on to the guy that you fix. You know, like think about Nunning's quotes. How come all these guys leave and they become better? I don't, I'm tired of seeing that kind of paraphrasing him, you know, like you finally found a guy that you turned around. So maybe keep that guy and you can, you know, see the fruits of his labor. And then for Mitch Kell on the side too, maybe there's a bit of, you know, Hey, you guys believed in me. You stuck with me. Here I am let's work something out. I appreciate that. Let's, let's come together opposed to maybe a, Oh, I've arrived and I'm getting paid. See you guys later. I'm becoming a free agent. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's a bit of that to Mitch Keller. So I think for both sides, they kind of come together and see that and let's get an extension done. So let's maybe talk about like what an extension would look like for Mitch Keller. And I think, um, you know, with him, it's maybe a little bit tricky because I, I mean, essentially Jim, he went from, and we talked about this graphic a, a year ago. He went from the worst pitcher in baseball to now we're talking, is he an ace? There was not really like this coming to age part. Like, we're, like he just, you know, went through his little rookie stuff and became like a better pitcher. He just like was bad, 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 bad. Is Mitch Keller going to get DFA'd to just, oh, he's an ace. <laughs> so I don't know how many pitchers you could really comp to that like trajectory, <laughs> but we have some comps to kind of talk about like what might, you know, what we might see to get a Mitch Keller deal done. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's two particular deals to look at to, um, to kind of use as a framework for Mitch Keller. And so, so looking last night, we kind of were like, Hey, what, what's, what's, who are some pitchers that kind of fall in the same boat? And it was, we were struggling to find somebody that had like the exact same amount of service time as Keller at the time of the extension. And we were struggling to find somebody with like a pitching profile as Keller. So the two people that came the closest, though, were Christian Javier 
from the Houston Astros and Pablo Lopez uh, for the now uh, Minnesota Twins. So you look at both of them, both, you know, very similar in age. They're within it. They were within a year of Mitch Keller when they signed their extensions. Um, the difference there is, you know, Pablo Lopez signed his extension a year later into his career. If we're talking mm-hmm. about an extension, you know, right now or this offseason for Keller. Pablo Lopez is basically a year farther further into his, his career. Christian Javier is a year uh, earlier into his career as Mitch Keller. But you look at those two deals and you can say, okay, if Mitch Keller is kind of in between these two in terms of service time, um, and he's probably – you could argue that, you know, the ceiling for Keller with the way he's pitching right now, he, he's, I mean, he's very similar to, to both of these guys, probably closer to Javier than, than Lopez. I don't know if Lopez has ever put up this dominant of a stretch in his career, but Lopez had a really, really good, like last pre RB year. Right. So uh, they, both of those pitchers, Pablo Lopez, Christian Javier, um, I think they're, relatable comps that we can look at and say Keller probably needs to be in this area. Right. And so when you look at those deals, Christian Javier, again, signed a year before Keller service time wise, but five years, $64 million. Um, Pablo Lopez, again, a year later, his is a four year deal, but you can kind of take into effect like, okay, Pablo Lopez is at an arbitration this year. If you were to just kind of include that second RB year, which is what Keller would be, you know, Lopez would be at a five-year, $79 million deal, right? So mm-hmm. we're kind of – so that's that's kind of what we're working at. We've got a five-year, $65 million deal on one end, a five-year, $79 million deal on the other. I think with where Keller is in his career, you look at those two deals and you say, all right, Keller should get somewhere – in between those right so i think you know buckle might kind of put he hit the nail on the head we were talking about this last night <laughs> and like what's great like we kind of landed on this like five years 70 million dollars i think that right there like and you're i mean give or take a few million but that right there that's the sweet spot for a mitch keller deal just kind of based off of like what else has gone what else has happened um in the starting pitcher landscape with pitchers who were kind of similar to him with somewhat similar um, service time. So I think, yeah, five years, 70 million, like anywhere between five years, five years, 65 to five years, 75, somewhere in that window is I think where you want to be with Keller. The five year part buys out three free agency deals and his final two are beers. So yeah, I think that like that's five years, 70 buck. I'm like, that's, that's pretty much – I think that's, that's, that's where that's – a, that's a good place to start. Yeah, I fully agree. And to kind of talk about those, you know, with Pablo Lopez, I think in, we've had this debate as well. I like Pablo Lopez a lot, right? You keep saying, well, he's just a guy. Uh, but regardless, like he is a good pitcher. He goes to Minnesota. He's pitching well right now. But you're right. What we've seen right now from Mitch Keller, like the change in Mitch Keller, like I think the ceiling on Mitch Keller is way higher than Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez to me is a fine number three pitcher. Where Mitch Keller's shown he could be an ace. There's that potential, you know. And so, like going to the Javier thing, Javier has has been a dude like his whole time. So, like you're talking about like the trajectory, the comps, like Mitch Keller just became this person right now. 
but the person he became the ceiling sky high on. Javier has a career 310 ERA in the 351 innings he's pitched. Like he's been a dude from day one. But mind you, like you said, he's got another year of ARB under him as well. So there's three years of ARB compared to or compared to two years of Mitch. So, you know, you're buying out less years, there's more free agent years out there. Um, and that's why I think you're right. Like that is kind of like that sweet spot. Javier kind of presents like this is what Mitch Keller could be going forward. So, you know, you consider the the one less year of ARB in there. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much a sweet spot. I think that setting number is like that perfect number. Now, of course, we just saw the Hayes contract last season. You had the whole debate with Reynolds, and we saw that contract. So something tells me we're talking 70. The Pirates will find some way to work out 62 or 60 and that's what that'll be because so far these two extensions and and you know here's bucko mike saying the reynolds contract might be a waste hey you and i we know where we stand that contract looks pretty team friendly again right as we talked with the Hayes one even with the Hayes, if he doesn't hit that's still very team friendly contract so i don't know maybe they'll have be some you know and i say pirates magic in the sense that they'll work out a deal we say 70 is probably that sweet spot but like, I'm not going to be shocked if we see some 60 or $55 million deal. And that's what, you know, happens. But um, yeah, 70 seems like a perfect number. Those two comps seem like a very, very good fit. Yeah. I, I think um, like if, if I'm Mitch Keller, those are the two, those are the two deals that I'm working with and saying, I, I deserve this type of money. Right. Like that's, yep. that's, that's what I'm looking at. And what's good is you at least have some framework here to, to work on. And, and yeah, I mean, based on the other two extensions that we've seen, yeah, 570 seems fair, just us talking, but it's also hard if you're a pitcher to turn down 565 or 560. Like that's a lot of guaranteed money for a starting pitcher who has struggled the majority of his career. So yeah, if you're the Pirates, you still life-changing money. Oh yeah. And so if you're the Pirates, yeah, you're going to try to get Keller down as far as you can so yeah maybe we do see a little slightly more friendly deal in like the 560 range but i think that's like 570 is a really good really good area to start in um and and kind of work your way from that because yeah that's that's what that's what pitchers like keller uh have been getting elsewhere so i think that's a good good spot there that's right. Mitch Keller tied for 11th in MLB for the best ERA. Tied with Framber Valdez, also Houston Astro. <laughs> yeah. This is what we're talking about. Like, this is the level that Mitch Keller has arrived to. Is he going to stay at a 2 3 8 ERA all season long? That we can debate, right? But, like, here's where we, he's at. So I'm all for the extension. That seems like about a good sweet spot there, and uh, hopefully they do get it done soon. I would, I would love to see it get done this year and not so much this offseason, but that's very, you know, highly possible. All right, here we go. Should we get into our second shot? Let's do Talk it. Talk about the uh, this upcoming series. Uh, prospects. Oh, prospects first. Okay. <laughs> Don't mind me. I don't know orders. All right. Let's talk about the prospects. 
Uh, I mean, hey, listen, we've had plenty of talk about Henry Davis and Andy Rodriguez this past week, especially on our NS9 game day. So I don't think we need to go too deep into them unless you really want to again. But uh, who do we want to talk about this week? Um, There's a couple guys who, you know, have been emerging a little bit in the lower levels. Um Let's talk about Rodolfo Nolasco. Um, okay. In uh, single A Bradenton, he is repeating the level. He's 21 years old, so like he's he's pretty age appropriate. You would hope that somebody like him would be would be doing well. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised he's repeating the level because the overall numbers were pretty decent last year. The strikeouts were definitely like the one eye popping thing that you're like, yeah, these need to get a little bit better. Um, but Nolasco, depending on what list you're looking at, is going to be kind of a fringy borderline top 30 guy on this team. Um, but so far, so good. Repeating Bradenton, uh, he's hitting 310, 429, 569. He's crushing the ball. 174 weighted runs created plus he's walking 15, 16% of the time. The strikeouts are down, but still higher than you want to see them. Um, like Bucko Mike said, yep. I'm assuming he said, yep. About Nolasco strikeouts uh, a little higher of late. So that's, that's the concerning part there with Nolasco. And that was his concern last year as well, but someone with a ton of power. Um, so you 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 want to see him? You want to see him work out? Uh, international signing, but so far he's showing signs of improvement in Bradenton. Um, but yeah, you do you do want to see those strikeouts go down a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know what I want to talk about a little bit. Who do you want to talk about? A cursed name, and you know we felt bad for this guy since getting <laughs> signed to the Pirates, but Shalon Polanco. I know, like, the numbers overall don't really support too much. I mean, he's batting 161 um, and the 32.4% K rate. All things that you talk about in the minor leagues and say, not good stuff. You definitely don't want to see it. But uh, I, he has been killing the ball lately. Um, and he's he had some mighty struggles. Um, but, yeah, he, he's been making a lot of hard contact lately. Um Something that doesn't show the box score. So a lot of this stuff I've been getting from seeing, you know, other people talk about and such, you know, especially like Anthony Murphy and whatever on Twitter. Um, but it sounds like he's starting to maybe put things together a little bit. Uh, so again, numbers aren't there, but that's a guy I'm kind of looking at right now to see if they're going to see like a turnaround in the season or such. Um, because again, like the batting average has been very, very poor uh, and that K rates up there. But yeah, just kind of talk about him a little bit. And he's certainly has been an intriguing prospect. I mean, he was signed to, that big, uh, um, he was, uh, he was I international believe, uh, deal, the largest international signing in Pirates history. Right. Yeah. I kept thinking external. I'm like, it's not external. What are we talking about? It's the money yeah. that I love to talk about. Ex external. It's international money. So yeah, he was signed to that big deal. Uh, so the guy that's, you know, you kind of want to keep on your radar. Production isn't there. It's almost like the more Johnson thing. 2.35 million. 2.35 million for Polanco. There you go. Um, but yeah, so also in Bradenton as we're at right now. Yeah, I think the thing that that's probably most exciting about Polanco is uh, the power. Uh, you know, that, mm -hmm. it, you know, he is young; he's 19 years old, uh, playing his first season of of 
you know, full season ball. Uh, and, and yeah, he's hitting the ball hard when he makes contact and it's, you know, he's got four home runs on the year. A lot of those have come just in the last like two weeks too. So yeah, striking out again, kind of higher, higher than what you want to see. That's kind of, that, that's sort of the, um, that's sort of the theme on a lot of these guys, especially in, in, in Bradenton and Greensboro. There's some people who are doing some things that you want to see, um, but the strikeouts are a little concerning and something to keep an eye on. Uh, like I said, sure. definitely you want to you want to see those those strikeouts go down. But yeah, I mean, Polanco's walking at 13% clip, striking out about 32% clip. So again, pretty high for for low A ball. Um, but but yeah, he uh, he's he's not hitting that well if you kind of look at his overall body of work. But but agreed, like based off of what we're seeing. Andrew Murphy, uh, he's a great follow. Uh, Anthony Murphy, great follow on on Twitter. Make sure you um you, you check him out because he's going to be posting highlights and, and updates on all these guys. But um, Polanco, sure. or, uh, somebody he he's a little excited about here as of late. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. Anybody else in Bradenton you want to? No one in Bradenton. I mean, skipping over to Greensboro, a couple of guys who, quite frankly, I've kind of lost interest in. But same thing. Like, I got an argument actually this week on Twitter about like these these guys need to these guys need to strike out less if they want to be considered serious prospects. But at the same time, the strikeouts are still there. Um, however, they're producing, and two outfielders who. You know, have good pedigree, Sammy Siani and Hudson Head, both of them. And, and they kind of just, they profile in a similar way where, you know, they're both, they're both lefty bats. They're both the exact same age too. They're both 22. Um, and they both seem to have some power to them. Um, both of them sitting at four homers on the year. Both of them last year probably not the power you want to see over the course of the season. Uh, but uh, they both walk a lot, but they both strike out a lot. But you look at Sion in particular, he's walking at a 19% rate this season. Um, his on-base percentage is up to 409. He, he's hitting the ball better. So like, you know, his, his, it's his highest, it's his highest batting average he's had in his minors, highest OBP, highest slugging. So Sammy Siani's he's repeating Greensboro, um, as is Hudson head, but both of them have taken a step forward this year. Again, the strikeouts are the one concerning thing. Both of them have taken, you know, a step forward in that, in that, in that spot. Like they're both striking out at a better rate this year than they were, than they were last year. Um, But both of them performing pretty well in Greensboro. Uh, And, you know, I feel like every night over the last week or so, I think Siani homered, Siani homered twice last week. He's homered four times in the last two weeks. Uh, Hudson Head homered last week. Yeah, the two of them together have been pretty hot lately. Yeah. I think it's fair, though. Like, you talk about them because they are producing. But in my mind, too, I'm kind of past them. Yeah. Like, there's still a lot that worries me about Hudson Head. You know, that, like, him just not really being a prospect to, to have much interest in, but to be fair, fair, you shouldn't just write him off completely yet. Yeah. 
Now, so, like this is kind yeah. of like a shut up or 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 leave kind of year for both of them. If That's they true. if neither of like they they need a year like this to perform because they are twenty two high A. They've been they've been in the minors for four years now. They were both twenty nineteen draft picks. Um, so yeah, I, I mean it, you gotta in in four years in the minors you gotta figure out how to how to get to double A. Um, right. And they're both showing signs of improvement, but they're not where you want them to be ideally. But just, again, maybe you don't completely 100% write them off. You're just at like a 95% write-off right now. And, and they're two guys who can hit the ball hard. They, they, can, they can both hit the ball hard, but it's just a matter of doing it more consistently. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, to the pitcher side, Pretty much the same, you know, that we talked about last last week. I mean, Solomedo, there's Bubba Chandler. Um, Chandler didn't have like the, the greatest start this past time, but again, like he is certainly a project. One guy we haven't talked about, like I think at all, and of course, like the the performance hasn't really warranted, but to bring him up, like Po Yu Chen, he was also talking about international signings and such. Uh, and we did see him this year in Bradenton. Um, in Pirate City, taking the mound with a lot of press around, <laughs> watching him mm-hmm. pitch. Uh, so again, someone you want to keep your eye on. But in his debut in professional baseball in the states, it hasn't hasn't gone well so far. He's got a six seven five ERA in twenty five. Oh, I'm sorry, that was Jun Suk Shim, by the way. Yeah, my bad. Saw. But Po Yu Chen's been around for a while and has had pretty impressive numbers in the minor leagues. Um, at least that first, like he, he kind of broke broke on the scene with that in, insane complex league that he had. I'm an his, idiot, his by the way. Season. I feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, uh, I mean, he's certainly interesting. He he he, he does he a lot of things well, but the the numbers haven't been great really since he's gotten out of the complex league. He he played okay in, in Bradenton last year. He's definitely someone still to keep an eye on. Like he's a top thirty prospect, right? Yeah, yeah. not having the best season right now, um, but I still have my eye on him. Yeah. So, um, so there's that. I think that'll do it for Green- Greensboro. Yeah, Solometto walked a lot of people this past outing. Probably his worst start from a command standpoint. Uh, struck out six, walked six, and four and two thirds in his start this week. You mentioned Bubba Chandler. He did get rocked. Um, we've talked about him, though, a lot. And just he's someone you're just going to have to be patient with. Just not a lot of pitching. Um, t- moving to Altoona, we've said enough about Henry Davis, I think. I don't know how much we need to harp yeah. on him. But um, Best hitter in there's, the yeah, yeah, there is a lot of noise, I guess, from people who have been watching Altoona about Pagaro. Um, saying that, you know, the numbers aren't quite there yet, but he looks like he's starting to turn a corner, um, hitting the ball hard, putting together good at-bats. The thing with Piguero to watch is, is, yeah, I mean, obviously you need the bat to come around. If the bat doesn't come around, then then the rest doesn't matter. But um, you also want to see him look pretty good defensively. Um, if you read Pirates Prospects, I know um, Tim Williams has – a feature coming out about Piguero. Um that should be out either today or you know coming up soon. So um, look for that if you're a Piguero fan or want to want to get a good update on him. Apparently, Tim 
uh, was in Altoona last week and came away pretty impressed. So he's writing an entire article on how impressed he was with, uh, with Pagaro. So we'll, uh, we'll see what he saw. Um, yeah, the numbers aren't there. <laughs> and even last week where if you just say, how did you do yeah. last week? Numbers weren't there, but apparently there's something, something there to, to something there that was noticeable. And just to expand a little bit, I mean, uh, Piquero was a guy I talked about last week I wanted to bring up because overall the season numbers aren't there. But, like, you look at his past, like, two weeks, he's been clicking. It's been turning around a little bit. You know, I think I highlighted, like, the strikeout rate, the walk rate are really nice. Uh, and at that time, in those two weeks, he was had, like, a batting average, like a 303, I think, something like that. Like, things were clicking. This past week, right after I talked, the batting average was really low, but very baby-pip heavy. Uh, but, like, the K rate still a 13.8% this week. I'm not writing him off either, but I think like his big thing too is like, like a big issue with the Pirates organization. It's a lot of middle infielders and they're not the best hitters as is. And they're certainly not the best fielders. So like, where are these guys positioned? Like Pagaro fits that spot. Even if the bat does come along, where's his glove play? <laughs> right. So there's still a lot of development from him. Certainly not writing it off. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see like what they're going to talk and say about him. Yeah, because like if you're going to be a second baseman, like it, like it seems like he might be, you're going to have to hit better than if you were a shortstop. Right. Just plain and simple. So. And um, if you can't be a second baseman, then you really have to hit better than a second baseman. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. I'm I'm interested there because he's definitely. I mean, you you. You, you want to see him succeed. The age is still good. Like, he's definitely not someone you want to give up on. Um, he's still a top 10 prospect on this team. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's someone that you want to see come around for sure. He's he's talented. Yeah. Yeah, he's got all the tools that you want. Right. Um, I think that's it for double A, unless there was someone else you wanted to touch on. No. There's a guy I want to touch on. We talked a little bit of the last week. Maybe talk him again, coming back from an injury. Certainly because you're seeing the shortstop play of the Pirates. I want to talk about Jared Chirolo again. Okay. Good first week fair? in AAA. Yeah. Good first week in AAA. Yep. You uh, you definitely expanded upon him last week, how you know him coming back from injury. He could be a guy that you want to maybe see fast track. You know, once Once they feel he's right, getting him to the Pirates. Because, I mean, there's a Chris Owings right now handling shortstop. But we know how good Trillo's glove is. So maybe he's the answer, per se, at shortstop, you know, short term right now. Um, so, like, as long as the bat's good enough. And, and so far, so good. 18 plate appearances. But in those 18 plate appearances, batting 294, 333, 4-1-2, um, two doubles in his five hits. So, again, again, it's small sample. It's not like, okay, let's get him here. But this is what you want to see. Like, he's doing what you want to see right now at this point of time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe he is on his way soon, Jim. Yeah, I mean, we we mentioned this, he, him being a guy to look at as far as someone who can can maybe step in and take that shortstop role while Cruz is out. Uh, kind of a little bit. Uh, I, I was expecting him to get some more playing time at shortstop. So he he played four games in AAA, played th- three games in in, in single A, uh, on rehab. And so his seven games in the field so far have all been at third base. Um, which maybe that's just hey, welcome back. 
focus on hitting for now and do what you're most comfortable with. I don't know what that is because I know that if I'm the Pirates, I'm looking for someone who can play shortstop right now. And so I'm seeing if Triolo is capable of handling the position on a, you know, like a fairly semi everyday basis. Um, so just something to watch again. I was, I was surprised not to see him there at all this week because right. let's be real. If Jared Triolo wants to make the majors, it's not going to be as a third baseman for the pirates, at least maybe someone else, but Jared Triolo is not making the majors as a third baseman for the pirates not happening they kind of have that position on lockdown for the next seven years right uh so what do you do with triolo if you're triolo hey i want to make the majors there's a hole here that i can play let's let's try that Let, let's try that angle so yeah i'm, I'm surprised to see no shortstop starts at all uh so far this season Something to keep an eye on. I mean, if the guy's not going to play shortstop in the minors, he's probably not going to play shortstop in the majors. So then we have to start looking elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like you can go two ways with this. Let's also take note that the guy who's in charge of making that decision has come out and said, in order for Andy and Henry to get called up, they have to play more than 18 games at a catcher position and then continues to not put them at catcher in the minor leagues. <laughs> right. So there's precedent for this, Jim. There is precedence for um, things that don't make sense position-wise. Right. O'Neill Cruz right. had to spend three weeks in the minors to work on you know his versatility. I think he played one game in the outfield those three months. So. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I think that's more of a facetious outlook on this. I mean, he has played shortstop in his career. Um, you know, last year alone, 19 games, there was five in 2021 and 17 in 2019. It's like, he has played the position. Um, I could see, like we talked, like this is well, we talked like preseason Triolo. Like that's what he represents. There is no real backstop. And everyone kind of said like, well, there's Triolo. I said backstop. There's no backup to like the shortstop. And everyone's like Triolo. That's why he's kind of here. Um, so like, I think that's in their plans. Like he was the, more or less like the, the backup for shortstop if they needed one, but maybe they don't like, they're comfortable enough. Like we don't need to see more short. Like we know he's there. Let's just get him ready. Cause the bats, what's most important right now. Let's get him just focus on the bat, get him back to where it needs to be. And then he can come up here and play shortstop. I don't need to worry about him getting reps there. So like you said right now, maybe that's the idea. Like who cares about short? Don't focus about shortstop. Focus about hitting. Or I think this is more outside the box, which already eliminates this as an option. But or you're the young kid. You're the one who's never had major league experience. If we need a plug at shortstop, and we're also going to call you up, maybe he is the third baseman for now. Maybe it's Hayes going to short because Hayes is the vet who we can lean on to say, you carry that load. I'm not going to put all this pressure on Triolo. Still very outside the box. I think that's a very, very low percentage. I'm just saying that, like, to me, that's what this represents two options in doing this. I'm not saying this is likely. I'm just saying, like, in seeing this, I feel it's either they're saying, don't worry about the glove, just focus on, focus on the bat, or they're going to say, we're going to put this pressure on Hayes. That's all. 
me personally, I don't think that's I happening. I might go with the last option. I don't either. I don't think that's happening. And honestly, like we've talked about it, I still don't know if that's necessarily a good idea. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I don't know if you want to move like your elite defensive third baseman just for like a short term fix. You know, like if you're gonna move them, have it be for good. I don't know if I'm kind of messing up that long term. Who knows though? Also, the other thing too, I don't think I'm not giving this team any benefit of the doubt when it comes to creativity in any in any way. No, because, there is none. Like they, so again, they've, they've never done anything half creative like in their entire existence. So, um, and that's not entirely true, but yeah, a little jaded, hard statement there. But no one um, speaks in half verbally <laughs> over here. They they just they they seem to not really do things creatively. Um, so I'm. I I wouldn't expect that to be the case, um, but yeah, certainly something to keep an eye on because, again, he's kind of the only option there in AAA. I think that you could call upon to play those positions and and do it in a way that's like semi interesting, right? Because like Chris right. Owings, he's there, but there's nothing interesting about Chris Owings. No, yeah, not at all. Nothing. One other guy I do want to talk to in Indianapolis before we kind of move to our, our series preview to uh, Colin Selby. Uh, he is having a really good May. Hasn't given up a run. He's striking out a bunch of batters. Uh, yeah. Just keep it. He, he's, he's gone. He's pitched scoreless outings. Uh, let's see. Since April 12th, he's uh, pitched in. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten games. He's only given up a run in one of those. Uh, and he's, like I said, striking out a lot of people, not walking a ton. Uh, he's looked really impressive since kind of starting off the season a little bit shaky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we saw, we haven't, we saw Colin Selby a little bit in spring training. He got his first taste of AAA last year, had a really good season in AA. The stuff is great. Uh, so, we talked last week about maybe there's someone in this bullpen who needs to go Dwayne Underwood jr. If he goes Colin Selby's probably your guy that you're looking to at least like that first, that next guy up probably Colin Selby at this point. Yep. I like it. I think we talked how he was potentially like this year's De Los Santos. And uh, we need De Los yeah, Santos first... to be this year's De Los Santos, too. But... Yeah, we also need him to do that, too. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the first three three outings were I mean, he gave it a run every time. But since then, it's it's been good. A one five nine ERA, 13.5 K per nine, three point one eight walks per nine. I mean, the walks are you want a little bit more, but that's, you can live with that, especially striking out that many and a batting average of one oh five. So like you can certainly live with that. But yeah, he's looked he looks very good as a reliever. And uh, this is certainly a team that could use productive relievers so i'm, I'm with it probably gonna get he's a little more time still. down there but he's doing a good job right now yeah and he's already on the 40 man so he i mean it wouldn't be it wouldn't take like a crazy roster move to get here but i guess if you if underwood's your guy to go or if you want to give underwood like a phantom il stint you know whatever um right. yeah selby kind of looks like that that next guy up right now yep good stuff all right, do we want to get to the uh, preview then? Let's do it.
two-game series against the Tigers coming up. The one thing we discussed is May's been awful, but May has seen better teams. April was good. April saw lesser teams. And the one thing the Pirates are doing, they're at least beating up on the good teams, right? So they're doing what they need to do. So hopefully coming off this win, which is a good win, maybe the Tigers, who are a bad team, this can get the Pirates to ship right a little bit, right? It's only a two-game series, but they're not the greatest team. Maybe this is the, the series that they can get at least one win, at least split it. <laughs> but their third and maybe fourth win against um, and get maybe back on track to some level. Yeah. Um, two two game series in Detroit. Um, Luis Ortiz going up against a guy that we've seen a lot of, you know, in his time in Cincinnati, Michael Lorenzen. Um, yep. And then. And then Rich Hill is going to take on former – Rich Hill and, and, and Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, were teammates on Boston. So um, You're right. I think so. Yeah. Eduardo Rodriguez, who's having a hell of a season. He's like the one Tigers starting pitcher who's performing. Uh, he's got a 1.57 ERA. He's 4-2 to start the year at his uh, first eight starts. So really good stuff from Eduardo Rodriguez so far. Um but yeah, let's kind of talk about this. Go ahead. I was gonna say, put it this way: he has a lot. I think a one six, one point six WAR, and the Tigers starting pitching as a unit has a one point four WAR. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Lorenzen has been their second best guy. So the, the yeah. two guys that we're facing this series are the Tigers' two best starting pitchers. Um, now, Lorenzen hasn't been good by any means. He's been he's been mediocre at best. Uh, he was on the IL for a little bit too. So he's, I think he, this, this might even be his first start back off the IL. No peace came back. He came back last week, two weeks ago. Okay. Never mind. It looks like he started on the start of the season on the IL, but he's back. Now. Say, yeah. Five stars. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So those are the two guys that they're going to have to face off against. Again, they're, they're two best starting pitchers. Rodriguez has again, been real good. Um, it's also a lefty, so we know kind of going into the series, you know, game one, you're probably seeing Chris Owings, you're seeing G1 Bay, or you're seeing two Capito Marcano, you're seeing G1 Bay. Second game, you're probably seeing Chris Owings and then uh, Rodolfo Castro uh, as far Hopefully. as middle infielders go. Yeah. A um, couple things, though, to talk about on the Tigers. They said the the bullpen, the back end of the bullpen has certainly been their biggest strength so far this year. Uh, they're um, Alex Lang um, has been really good. Uh, you know who else has been really good, Donardo? At least who? lately. Who, yeah. uh, Jason Shreve has been really good <laughs> lately. Our our old our old, old boy friend. Jason Jason Shreve. He's had a really good May. Um, Five straight scoreless appearances by Chasen Shreve for uh, for the Tigers. So uh, maybe we'll get to see him. I'm sure we will at some point. You know, go in the face like Jack Swinski or something like that. But bullpen's definitely the Tigers' strength. Uh, offensively, not a whole lot there to worry about. Uh, Riley Green probably like the their most dynamic player. Um, he's only 22. He's basically hitting league average, but leads the team in stolen bases, plays good defense. 
he's having himself a good little season for a 22-year-old. Uh, he was the fifth overall pick in 2019, so really big prospect coming up. I think at one point he was even a number one. Uh, he was either the number one prospect in baseball before graduating last year. So, um, yeah, he was one, two, or three. So definitely a dynamic, mm-hmm. talented player uh, in Riley Green. But on the flip side of that, the Tigers also have another really high former prospect who's just not getting it done, and that's Spencer Torkelson. So. Uh, Spencer Torkelson has had some issues uh, hitting the ball over the fence <laughs> as a major leaguer. Doesn't really seem to uh, to do it very well. He's having just kind of a disaster start to his career. Uh, rough season last year, rough season again this year. He's he's basically played a full season of Major League Baseball now and has negative 1.4 war. Yeah, not wow. good. <laughs> Former, first this, overall uh, pick. Tigers rebuild yeah. has – has been a thing, but yeah, yeah I mean, the, the team, you know, like you said, like the pitching, we're gonna the pirates are gonna face pretty much their best starters, so that's gonna be tough. And you're talking about pirate team that just simply can't score runs, so it's gonna be a challenge for them. I mean, they're they're struggling to score runs, they're facing their better pitcher. One actually is legit, the other one is just a better one for the Tigers. Um, still not a great pitcher, although I mean, he's I mean, he's a guy that I wanted on the pirates. I think a lot of people would have liked to have him on the Pirates. I think you know, we would have taken him. Yeah, like it's not a, it's not like a knock on him. He is who he is, but it's not like you're facing the second best pitcher on the Tigers, and that's like a good pitcher. Um, but offensively, though, Tigers definitely not good. So as you mentioned, third worst team as far as weighted runs created plus in the league. They're the last in scoring runs. So if you're struggling to score runs, at least you're facing a team that also struggles. And you have some good pitchers going up too. So, yeah, like this is going to be interesting to see. It's going to be some tougher pitching, but they're not a good quality team, especially scoring runs. So hopefully, again, this is something that can get the Pirates back on track with. If they can score maybe three or four runs a game, there's a good chance they could pull out some victories. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I said I think the, the 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 back end of that bullpen is probably like your biggest concern here. Overall, it's not that great of a bullpen, but like once they get to their seven, eight, nine, it's like it's pirates ish. Like it's very pirates like. Yeah, if you can get to like the if you can get to the front end of the bullpen, the middle reliever guys, then then you know you're cooking. But you know you don't want to get yourself into a situation where you let the starting pitcher go deep into a game, or you don't capitalize on 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 middle relievers in the middle of the game um and then and then find yourself up against the you know their their better guys but the pirates do have um yeah luis ortiz going game one who looked fine his first start of the season mm-hmm. uh i think you know everybody can agree that the defense certainly didn't help ortiz out very much it was a pretty much a disaster defensively and that led to a bunch of unearned runs um but at the same time ortiz also did allow some pretty hard contact throughout the game. So something to look forward to there is how does Ortiz kind of bounce back from that first start? Like I said, it wasn't a bad start by any means, but I wouldn't really necessarily say it was a, it was a good start either. It was exactly. just like a start. So how does he, how does he come out in game two? Yeah. Yeah. But I was intrigued and excited to see him for game one. So that doesn't change for game two either. Uh, Luis Ortiz can certainly be a good pitcher and uh, I want to see what he can do again. Again, this is a bad lineup. So, could be a good game to see him kind of put it together for and show out. So yeah, tomorrow it's a, is it a seven o'clock start? 
You're making me look it up. Of course, I know. Right now, I just. Either way, it's a night start, and then Wednesday is an afternoon start. Six forty on Tuesday, one ten on Wednesday. Wednesday's game is actually on national TV, MLB Network. There you go. So you can, everyone can. Ryan can watch it. Ryan can watch the game. There it is. All right. Well, it's been forty-eight minutes. Let's get on out of here. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so I guess with that, we'll see you guys tomorrow after the post game, and uh, that's it. So bye bye. Let's go, Bucks. Hey, you all. Thank you for watching. I know we try to provide the most entertaining content that we can, uh, and we'd love to spread it to as many people as possible. So uh, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you could take the five seconds to like this video and subscribe to the page, it helps out so much more than you know. Thank you, and let's go Bucks.